by Security and Privacy Errands for the week ending December 15, 2020. This week reads like a movie. By the way, check out HTTPS www.007.com. We like the how to drive like James Bond. That is if you have 3 million quid to spare section. From across the world, nation-state spies are revealed, huge hacking exploits that provided access into 80% of the U.S. Fortune 500 come to light, insecure kit at the doctor's office and schools hacking students' phones with hardware that was and probably should still be in the domain of spies are all exposed. Yes, despite the meteor showers overhead, we stay with our feet planted firmly on terra firma with this update. And we think you'll love the detail. And finally, this yarn ends by knitting in an opportunity for you to play fisherman or fisherwoman, engaging in some role-playing threat modeling about how you might compromise someone through email in order to understand the small changes in your own behavior that will keep you much safer. It's all here, so let's get cracking. From Australia, Chinese Communist Party leaders exposed. An unprecedented data leak from a server in April 2016, only now being shared, reveals how alleged Chinese Communist Party members have embedded themselves inside some of the world's biggest companies, including defense contractors, banks, and pharmaceutical giants manufacturing coronavirus vaccines. As one of only four news agencies around the world to get this scoop, the Australian newspaper has obtained the leaked database of almost 2 million CCP members, including their party position, birth date, national ID number, ethnicity, and 79,000 branches, many of them inside companies, universities, and even government agencies. Among the companies identified as having CCP members in their employ are manufacturers like Boeing and Volkswagen, drug giants Pfizer and AstraZeneca, and financial institutions including ANZ, and the HSBC, according to the reports. It's believed to be the first leak of its kind in the world, the Australian journalist and Sky News host Sherry Markson said. What's amazing about this database is not just that it exposes people who are members of the Communist Party and who are now living and working all over the world, from Australia to the U.S. to the U.K., Markson said CCP branches have been set up inside Western companies where members, if called on, are answerable directly to the Communist Party and President Xi himself. It's also going to embarrass some global companies who appear to have no plan in place to protect their intellectual property from theft or from economic espionage. Story. Hackers broke into federal agencies. In one of the most sophisticated and perhaps largest hacks in more than five years, email systems were breached at the Treasury and Commerce Departments. Other breaches are under investigation. The Trump administration acknowledged on Sunday that hackers acting on behalf of a foreign government broke into a range of key government networks, including the Treasury and Commerce Departments, and had free access through their email systems. Officials said a hunt was on to determine if other parts of the government had been affected by what looked to be one of the most sophisticated and perhaps the largest attacks on federal systems in the past five years. Several said national security-related agencies were also targeted, though it was not clear whether the systems contained highly classified material. 
The Trump administration said little in public about the hack, which suggested that while the government was worried about Russian intervention in the 2020 election, key agencies working for the administration and unrelated to the election were actually the subject of a sophisticated attack that they were unaware of until recent weeks. The United States government is aware of these reports, and we are taking all necessary steps to identify and remedy any possible issues related to this situation, John Olyot, a spokesman for the National Security Council, said in a statement. The Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Agency, whose leader was fired by President Trump last month for declaring that there had been no widespread election fraud, said in a statement that it had been called in as well. The Commerce Department acknowledged that one of its agencies had been affected, without naming it, but it appeared to be the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, which helps determine policy for internet-related issues, including setting standards and blocking imports and exports of technology that's considered a national security risk. It was a measure of the sudden panic sweeping federal offices that the Department of Homeland Security ordered all agencies late Sunday night to shut down any use of a complex piece of network management software made by a company called SolarWinds and installed on networks belonging to government agencies and American corporations. Huh, so what is behind the SolarWinds software? Well, that's a piece of kit from FireEye and the, the Mandiant attack, if you recall that last week. The global breach stretches back months, sources say. The attack that impacted FireEye involved hackers compromising the infrastructure of SolarWinds, a company that produces a network and applications monitoring platform called Orion. It then used that access to produce and distribute trojanized updates to the software's users. SolarWinds customers include 425 of the U.S. Fortune 500, the top 10 U.S. telecommunications companies, the top 5 U.S. accounting firms, all branches of the U.S. military, the Pentagon, the State Department, as well as hundreds of universities and colleges worldwide. After an initial dormant period of up to two weeks, the Trojan retrieves and executes commands called jobs that include the ability to transfer files, execute files, profile the system, reboot the machine, and disable system services, the FireEye analysts said. The malware masquerades its network traffic as the Orion Improvement Program protocol and stores reconnaissance results within legitimate plug-in configuration files, allowing it to blend in with legitimate SolarWinds activity. The back door uses multiple obfuscated block lists to identify forensic and antivirus tools running as processes, services, and drivers. The back door was used to deliver a lightweight malware dropper that has never been seen before and which FireEye has dubbed Teardrop. This dropper loads directly in memory and does not leave traces on the disk. SolarWinds monitoring tool has extremely deep administrative access to a network's core functions, which means that hacking the tool would allow the team deploying it to freely root around victim systems. And that's the full story of what's been going on over here in the U.S. for the last week or two. Story. Now we move over to a story about U.S. schools that are buying the same phone hacking tech that the FBI uses to investigate terrorists. Apparently, in May 2016, a student enrolled in a high school in Shelbyville, Texas, 
consented to having his phone searched by one of the school district's resource officers. Looking for evidence of a romantic relationship between the student and a teacher, the officer plugged the phone into a Celebrite UFED to recover deleted messages from the phone. According to the arrest affidavit, investigators discovered the student and teacher frequently messaged each other, I love you. Two days later, the teacher was booked into the county jail for sexual assault of a minor. Okay, well, this was a case where something inappropriate was caught. But think about it. Every teenager is going to have something vaguely incriminating on their phone. That's just part of being a teenager. I'm concerned about the teachers, you know, just kind of pulling students that they don't like out of class and deciding to run their phones to look for reasons to take them out of class and keep them out of class, right? While companies like Celebrate have partnered with federal and local police for years, that the controversial equipment is also available for school district employees to search students' personal phones has gone relatively unnoticed and serves as a frightening reminder of how technology originally developed for use by the military or intelligence services, ranging from blast armored trucks designed for use in war zones to invasive surveillance tools, keeps trickling down to domestic police and even the institutions where our kids go to learn. Spam calls grew 18% this year despite the global pandemic. Despite several efforts from carriers, telecom operators, mobile operating system developers, smartphone makers, and a global pandemic, spam calls continued to pester and scam people around the globe this year, and they only got worse. Users worldwide received 31.3 billion spam calls between January and October this year, up from 26 billion during the same period last year and 17.7 billion the year prior according to Stockholm-headquartered firm Truecaller. The firm, best known for its caller ID app, estimated that an average American received 28.4 spam calls a month this year, up from 18.2 last year. But with 49.9 spam calls per user a month, up from an already alarming 45.6 figure last year, Brazil remained the worst impacted nation by spam calls, the firm said in its yearly report on the subject. And if it seems hard to get rid of this type of call, apparently about 9% of all spam calls that people received in the U.S. were dialed by the telecom networks themselves, the report said. GitHub rolls out dependency review, vulnerability alerts for pull requests. The open source development platform said last week at the GitHub Universe conference that Dependency Review is a system designed to help reviewers and contributors understand dependency changes and their security impact at every pull request, and has been developed to try and prevent vulnerable code from merging with new or updated dependencies by accident. Adding to the GitHub roadmap this year, the new tool will give developers an overview of which dependencies are added or removed from a project when they were updated, how many other projects lean on a dependency, and any vulnerability information associated with them. The new functionality should be available globally by the end of this year. Here it comes, another tsunami of IoT issues with millions of IoT devices vulnerable to 33 connectivity flaws. Several sets of internet communication protocols used by major vendors of connected products have vulnerabilities that could affect millions of devices, researchers revealed last week. 
Four of the vulnerabilities are critical, meaning attackers could use them to remotely take over devices ranging from a smart refrigerator to an industrial networking switch in the electrical grid, according to the security vendor Forescout. The flaws exist in information technology, operational technology, and so-called Internet of Things products. So let's drill down to the detail. The Forescout study, dubbed Amnesia 33, focuses on 33 vulnerabilities in four open-source TCPIP stacks. Amnesia 33 is a set of 33 vulnerabilities that impact four open-source TCPIP stacks, UIP, FNet, Pico TCP, and NutNet, which collectively serve as the foundational components of millions of connected devices worldwide. These vulnerabilities primarily cause memory corruption, allowing hackers to compromise devices, execute malicious code, perform denial-of-service attacks, and steal sensitive information. And the fact of the matter is that most of the current IoT devices aren't even made to be updated. Story. Going to the doctor, accounts with default credentials are found on over 100 GE medical device models. These accounts, hidden to end users, are included in the device firmware and are used by GE Healthcare servers to connect to on-premise devices and perform maintenance operations, run system health checks, obtain logs, run updates, and other actions. CyberMDX, who added the issue, says the problem with these accounts is that they use the same default credentials and that the credentials are public and can also be found online by threat actors, who could then abuse them to gain access to hospital imaging systems and harvest the patient's personal health information. Affected devices include CT scanners, x-ray machines, and MRI imaging systems, with the hidden accounts providing access to FTP, SSH, Telnet, and remote execution services and features. In most cases, the exposed systems are limited to internal hospital networks, but access to those is becoming more and more common. GE is aware that it has a huge problem, but has begun working with healthcare providers. We're providing on-site assistance to ensure credentials are changed properly and confirm proper configuration of the product firewall. This has been going on a long time. If they had started this initiative 10 years ago, it might have been a bit more comforting. Story. If you buy your home insurance through Lemonade and you're in the IT business, this next story might be interesting. Cybersecurity Startup provides perimeter monitoring as a differentiator. The cyber insurance industry is growing exponentially, driven by IoT devices and growing regulatory oversight. By offering perimeter monitoring, at bay have been able to reduce payments by an average of 50% to traditional corporate models, that is, local area network-based. They might be worth keeping an eye on as they have recently completed Series C funding and raised $34 million U.S. Story. If you got the email, say no more. The detail behind the Spotify password reset. From a data breach notification sent to the California Attorney General on Thursday, November 12th, Spotify discovered a vulnerability in their system that inadvertently exposed user Spotify account registration information, which may have included email address, your preferred display name, password, gender, and date of birth, only to certain business partners of Spotify. Spotify did not make this information publicly accessible, 
and they estimate that this vulnerability existed as of April 9, 2020, until they discovered it November 12, 2020, when they took immediate steps to correct it. Since then, Spotify have reported the breach, are conducting an internal investigation, and reset all user passwords. For this last section of today's podcast, we're going to play a little game. We're going to avoid phishing emails by thinking like a fisher person. Let's play that game. Imagine you're going to compromise a business or a person by crafting a phishing email. How would you do it? Think about yourself. You might hate unsolicited mails. So you might embed the malware link into the unsubscribe link at the bottom of the mail. To prompt the user to click on it, you might include offers to donate to one or another political party fund, for example. Yuck! You might buy some domain names that look like the domain you intend on phishing and sit on them for a couple months. They're typically flagged if they're newer domains. Or you might buy domain names with grandiose names like fisherpaytheprice.com promising amazing investment strategies by downloading one or another piece of malware. You might tie a mail into a recent wide-ranging event, security event. You know that Twitter, Zoom, and Spotify, they're likely to continue to have security issues. Think forward and set up so that you are ready to leverage an event when it occurs. You might buy the domain spotifysecurity.com, for example. And yeah, we checked it. As of today, you could buy it. Now you know that most phishing emails try and create a sense of urgency. Do it now. We're going to close your account. We're going to wipe out your data. So you'd expect the effectiveness of that to be diminishing now. You could pretend to be a recruiter with a fabulous job offer, or you could even try the lost kitten or puppy available for adoption approach. Tap into the emotions. Remember, it's a game of numbers, and you only need a small percentage of people to click on a link. It's with constant amazement that recruiters who have no previous relationship with an individual send unsolicited PDFs describing jobs. I don't know who's opening. If they are, they deserve to get hacked. But most importantly, as you do your threat modeling or as you prepare this attack, make it personal. Learn about the person you're attempting to compromise. Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google are good places to start, especially if that user is posting content to those sites. People love to be complimented. Make it more real by calling out specifics, and you're more apt to get a hit. Okay, hopefully that exercise scared you just a little bit. As you thought through how you would compromise someone else, we hope the role-playing helped you think through where your own weaknesses might lie. Tighten those areas up. Hover over links to validate anything before you even consider clicking on them. If you get a communication about something urgent, open a different browser and navigate to the thing that is being mentioned. Follow the rule of initiating something yourself. Rather than clicking on a link that someone sent you, search for it in DuckDuckGo. Navigate to it and make your decision based on what you find once you initialize the session. Q's calling, so that's a wrap for this spy yarn. Stay safe and secure and see you in seven.